1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3 through 17. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penaniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because her lo- he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping and why won't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever come on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, but her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away the wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you and be with those of you who are watching us from home. It is so cold. I've just been over there shivering in my seat. Um, Run in place, maybe while I preach. No. Well, have you ever noticed that many things in life look easy, but when you try them, it is very challenging? Swimming. People make that look really easy. However, I have taken 11 years of swimming lessons, and I can never master how not to breathe the water in with my face in there. Playing the guitar, that looks like a cakewalk. However, I took lessons, and goodness, my fingers cannot move anywhere on those cords to make anything pleasant come out. Having a newborn. Now, this one people try to warn you of. It is not easy, they say. But all I ever saw was sleeping babies and little tiny humans to snuggle. And then I had my own. That was the biggest shock of life. Raising children is not easy. 
In our scripture passage this morning, we learn about Hannah doing something that many of us may have done, making a bargain with God. In the opening chapter of 1 Samuel, we learn about Hannah's years of barrenness. And because of her inability to conceive a child, most likely her husband had to take a second wife in order for him to have heirs. And to pour salt onto a gaping wound, this new wife not only was able to bear children with ease, she mocked Hannah for her infertility. We discover Hannah in our opening verses in despair, broken and anguishing over her lot in life. And the word tells us that it was Hannah, it was God who closed Hannah's womb during this time. Children were considered a blessing from God, and it was God who controlled whether or not someone was able to have children. If a woman was unable to conceive, she was seen as less than, unable to fulfill one of her only duties in life. Perhaps some would say she was useless if she could not give her husband any heirs. I can then understand how Hannah would be in this place in life, in despair, and anguishing. There are so many things that strike me about this text. We don't hear Hannah being angry with God for God doing this to her. She doesn't curse God for her lot in life, nor do we hear her lash out at Panah, her husband's other wife, who was so cruel to her. Hannah takes the verbal beating without engaging. And then there's Hannah's husband, Elkanah. He is not what we would have expected of this time period either. His deep love for Hannah is evident with how he does not burden her with an expectation of an heir and gives her more than he is required to give. And then when Hannah promised their first child to God, Elkanah was not cross with her. Instead, he empowered her in her own relationship to God. It's hard for our 21st century minds to wrap around how lowly women were viewed back then. And this is where I am always grateful to God's holy word. Because time and time again in the Old and the New Testament, I see God using women in powerful ways. And I see faithful men see their significance too. Faithful men like Elkanah, Hannah's husband. But what strikes me most about this passage is Hannah's own faithfulness. She was an authentic follower. She wasn't just putting on a happy face, pretending like life was rainbows and roses. We learn that she was in deep anguish, and she was honest about that to the priest Eli. Hannah so desperately wanted a child that she was willing to give that child right back to God once she received him. The thing she wanted most in the world, she was willing to receive and then immediately return. And here's where we need to remember the time. Hannah was not supposed to go directly to God with her request. According to biblical commentators, if she wanted something of the Lord, she was supposed to ask her husband or the priest to ask God for it for her. One commentator alluded to this fact. This may be why she was not praying out loud. 
but only mouthing the words. The commentator said, her muted voice represented the muted position of women. She retreats from the control of religious and social authorities, husband and priest, into herself to offer a prayer that neither they can hear nor understand. She assumes that God can hear and respond to a woman's prayer. This is where Hannah's faith and understanding of God amazes me. Her relationship with God was so intimate, she must have believed that her lack of ability to conceive did not mean that God did not love her or care about her. We know this because of her actions. She goes directly to God. Hannah knew God saw her, so she goes to the source of the one who can help her. Hannah lived out the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. For Hannah to have the very thing she so desired, a child, she could have easily made motherhood or that child into a god. But she was willing to receive him and then return him, placing all her trust and allegiance in God alone. Pastor Paul talked about this struggle last week with the golden calf. It's the struggle of humanity to place their trust in the unseen rather than that which is seen. We see it today. Our nation is divided between two men. It seems people have bought into the notion that our hope lies in whoever is president of our country. Christians have dethroned God and put an earthly being in God's place. I spoke with a friend about it recently, and I so appreciated what she had to say. She said her and her husband realized the witness they have to the world around them, that whatever happens on election night, they will not be worried. Ultimately, they know who holds their future. Whatever may come of the election, they believe God is still God and at work to bring about God's kingdom, no matter who is the president of our country. Hannah knew God was the one in control, so she poured out her honest heart before God. She trusted that God would take her firstborn child, Samuel, and God would give Samuel the best life possible. There's no doubt in my mind that Hannah believed that because we see that after she has given her son to the Lord, we read of Hannah's song of praise in 1 Samuel chapter 2. When I first became a believer, I thought a life of faith would be easy. But for anyone who has been on a faith journey long enough, you'll learn how hard it is to take up your cross each day and to follow Jesus. Often we are faced with many questions. Why in the world did God close Hannah's womb to begin with? Why did she have to face so many years burdened with infertility and harassment? We have our own questions that pertain to our own stories in life. If Hannah could teach us anything, 
I think it's that God does not disappoint. Her journey to motherhood was not what she expected. She lived years of despair and anguish, while at the same time, she cultivated a deep and intimate relationship with God, one that opened her up to a God that is not bound by human limitations, but a God that has work in the world, even when we do not see it. May Hannah be an inspiration to us all and show us a life well-lived, putting all authority, power, and most of all, hope in our living God. Let us pray. Dear God, we have heard about your servant Hannah this morning. We know about her loneliness and isolation, her pain and despair, and also her great joy that could come only from you. I am mindful this morning of those who are experiencing Hannah's situation, those struggling with infertility or the loss of a child. I am mindful also of those whose situations are quite different, however the emotion's the same, perhaps feeling hopeless, fearful, and anguishing over life. We pray, O oh holy God, turn your gaze towards them. Assure them of your presence in the midst of their suffering and pain. May we not bind you, O Holy Spirit, to any human laws or limitations, but may we worship you this morning as a God that can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. To you, triune God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's been wonderful to be with all of you this morning. And now, church, I invite you to stand and to receive the benediction. May the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, the God who spoke the words over you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, the God who promised to never leave you nor forsake you, be with you now and forevermore. Amen.